Chapter Sixteen of A King in Babylon. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Ellen Freckle. A King in Babylon by Burton Egbert Stevenson. Chapter Sixteen. A Camberman's first glance of a morning is always at the sky. His first thought always of the weather. Perhaps if I lived in Egypt long enough, I might break myself of this habit. For one day follows another, or did while I was there as brightly and blandly as though there were no such things as rain or storm sometimes toward evening a biting wind springs up across the desert but even this is not apparent under the palms creel routed us out of our beds at dawn on the morning following my talk with molly for he was anxious to take quite a string of pictures that day and davis had convinced him of the wisdom of sitting quietly in the shade during the hours that the sun was high if he had had only himself to consider, I'm sure he would never have thought of such a siesta, but the natives wouldn't work during the heat of the day, and it was evident that Jimmy couldn't, so thenceforward, perforce, he had to permit those hours to be wasted. I had seen nothing of Jimmy the night before. He had been nowhere in sight when Molly and I reached the tents, nor had he appeared before I turned in, and I took it for granted that he was mooning around somewhere with Mademoiselle Roland. In fact, the more I thought of it, the more convinced I became that there was an understanding between them. I don't know what time he came in, but he was sleeping away soundly enough when Creel called us, and had grumbled lustily at being shaken awake at so ungodly an hour. I had been too busy dressing to look at him then, but when we gathered around the table for the coffee and rolls, which constituted our early breakfast, I saw that he was very nervous. The hand which raised his cup to his lips shook visibly. Creel noticed it, too. How do you feel? he asked, lowering his voice so as not to disturb the women, who were to be permitted to sleep as long as they liked. "'Oh, all right,' answered Jimmy carelessly. "'It takes a few days to get accustomed to the desert air,' remarked Davis, who had turned out with the rest of us, perhaps in the hope of getting some excavating done at odd moments. It is very dry and exhilarating. You'd probably all be better off for a sedative.' "'Tobacco is the only sedative I need,' said Jimmy, and lit a cigarette. And just then we saw the natives, under Mustafa's guidance, filing out of their camp toward the ruins.' "'Come on,' said Creel, jumping up. "'The sun will be up in a minute, and I want to catch the long shadows.' We got to the excavation just as the sun rose, and we had to wait till the natives had finished their orisons. Luckily, Mohammedan prayers, though frequent, are brief, and we were soon at work. First we took a series of scenes showing the natives under Jimmy's direction, shoveling the sand and debris from in front of the wall into their baskets, and carrying them up the stairs and dumping them. That double row of swiftly moving figures up and down the steps was especially effective. Then Jimmy and Creel, with Mustafa in the background, held a consultation in front of the wall, and tapped along it knowingly, and finally decided where it should be opened. Of course, it was at the wrong place the first time, but the second time Creel indicated the spot where the mummy had been buried, and the natives set to work tearing out the stones. "'Have you got something planted back there?' Jimmy asked, during a brief pause in our operations. "'Yes.' We planted it last night. It's the mummy of your erstwhile favorite, whom you buried alive, about four thousand years ago, and when it's dug up you'll sort of recognize it, and you'll stare at it fascinated, wondering what there can possibly be about it that seems familiar, and as you look it will seem to fill out and change to a living woman, just for an instant, and you'll be horror-stricken. Go as far as you like, faint if you want. It isn't a real mummy, asked Jimmy, rather pale. Of course not, said Creel. It's a papier-mâché fake I fixed up in New York. "'How does it come you never mentioned this burying-alive business?' Jimmy demanded. "'I thought we talked the whole thing over.' "'I never thought of it till last night,' Creel explained. "'It was the professor there who gave me the tip. 
great business too i'd have read the script to you last night but when i got it worked out and went to look for you i couldn't find you i was sitting out at the edge of the oasis looking at the desert jimmy explained quickly which reminds me added creel that i couldn't find the princess either and we'll need her for the fade away i'd clean forgotten it digby run over and ask her to get here as soon as she can in her harem rig tell her i apologize for not giving her longer notice digby nodded and hurried away now billy said creel to me you understand that after we've done the scene you'll have to reel back to the place where jimmy stares down at the mummy and do a vision with the princess in the mummy's place not more than five or six feet and don't be afraid to stop down now keep your wits about you i nodded and creel gave the signal for the natives to go ahead with their work he watched them until about half the stones were out now billy he said come on jimmy and the two pressed close to the opening as i began to turn the crank by george there's something there shouted creel who believed in dialogue appropriate to the scene and he appeared into the hole look you're right said jimmy taking a look hurry up you and he urged the natives to renewed efforts now and he and creel pressed the bewildered natives back help me get it out careful said creel as he reached in and got hold of it that's it and they drew it slowly out into the light lay it down here on the ground in spite of their knowledge that it was a fake and that they themselves had helped to plant it the night before the natives shrank back in a way which added a great touch of realism to the picture jimmy was standing staring down at the mummy and i watched closely for the instant of the fade-out my finger on the lever of the shutter dissolved i had sometimes thought jimmy more of a matinee idol than an actor but that may have been merely because of the rotten scripts which were sometimes passed out to him at any rate i changed my opinion as i watched him through that scene for a moment he stared down at the gruesome figure with a look half puzzled half fascinated then he shook his head and glanced apologetically at creel but creel was also looking at the mummy though only with a sort of polite interest and again jimmy turned his eyes upon it and brushed his hand feverishly across his forehead then he seemed to stiffen as at some horrible vision now said creel who had been watching him out of the corner of his eye and i stopped down slowly then opened up again carefully counting the turns of the crank the scene didn't last long after that for jimmy's legs seemed to sort of fold up under him and he sank down beside the mummy in one of the prettiest faints i ever saw creel with an exclamation of alarm sprang to him and raised his head all right shut off said creel seven seventeen i said and closed my shutter and began to reel back for the double exposure all right jimmy i heard creel say and then in a sharper tone jimmy i knew something was wrong but i didn't dare look until i'd got those seventeen turns repeated he's really fainted said davis who had hurried forward he had been watching the scene from the first with an interest which surprised me carry him over here in the shade the water bottle mustafa see that nobody touches that mummy billy said creel sharply and then when i stood guard over the mummy creel and davis carried jimmy over in one corner and propped him against the wall and dashed water into his face and then mustafa made a queer noise in his throat and i saw him staring at something over my shoulder and i turned to see mademoiselle roland coming slowly down the steps and i stared too for if ever a woman looked like an ouri straight out of paradise it was she at that moment the costume i mentally shook off my hat to the designer and to mock real for it was absolutely perfect a real princess would have been glad to possess it and then i heard a quick gasp run through the group of natives and looked to see if they had fallen to their knees again they had not they were leaning forward staring with shining eyes and quivering lips and nervously working fingers and suddenly i remembered what that diaphanous costume meant to them i understood their libidinous sweaty faces the veil of the harem had been rent 
its rarest occupant profaned by the eyes of men davis also had seen and understood tell those fellows to get out he shouted to mustafa and mustafa's words must have stung like whips for the natives shrank hastily back into the furthest corner and then the girl caught sight of jimmy's prostrate figure what has happened she demanded sharply quickening her pace he has fainted creel explained he can't stand the heat it seems he'll be all right in a minute and indeed at that moment jimmy moved his head feebly and uttered a faint groan i'll take care of him said davis he's all right now you go ahead with your work thanks said creel and sprang to his feet i could guess the anguish he had been in for fear the scene would be spoiled now princess i want you to take the mummy's place it hasn't been moved has it billy he asked sharply it hasn't been touched i assured him he was staring down at it a perplexed wrinkle between his eyes i didn't know we had crossed its hands like that he said i saw that the mummy's hands were decorously folded across its breast but no matter princess she too was staring down at the mummy with an expression which struck me as faintly ironical where did you discover it she asked we just dug it out from behind that wall said creel from behind that wall and she stared at the opening with an astonishment i did not understand surely it's just a fake explained creel impatiently and we planted it there last night for heaven's sake don't tell me that you're afraid of it too oh no she said composedly it strikes me as rather ridiculous what is it i am to do it's your mummy you know said creel buried alive there four thousand years ago and jimmy has just discovered it i'm sorry i didn't have time to go over all this with you but i worked it out just last night i think i understand she said with a little smile i am to be resurrected something like that look at the mummy's attitude carefully now i want you to lie down exactly where the mummy is and smile up as though there was a man standing where i am standing now jimmy stood there you know and fainted when he saw you fainted in earnest it seems said mademoiselle roland with a fleeting glance in jimmy's direction yes but it will register great wait a minute and he marked the place where the mummy was lying and then i helped him lift it out of the way and mademoiselle roland composedly took its place your head just here and he adjusted it by the marks in the sand your feet here your hands crossed on your breast that's right are you ready billy i only want four or five feet remember and stop it well down all right i said creel stepped back out of the picture and took a last look at the prostrate girl shoot he said and the princess smiled slowly up at her imaginary lover one two three four five six seven i counted opening the shutter from a pinpoint to number eight and then stopping it down again till it was closed i think that will be all right and i started on to complete the seventeen when there was a loud cry from davis look out man look out he shouted and i turned just in time to see jimmy as he fell forward i've always been proud of the fact that i went on counting till i had my film properly rewound it was just habit i suppose but then it is habit which sends the soldier over the top for the charge when the word is given and he is called a hero and gets medals and pensions and things i got a medal too in a way the only sort of medal a cameraman can ever hope to get when creel said to me quietly half an hour later i'm glad you didn't lose your head billy what had happened as nearly as i could find out was that jimmy had come gradually to his senses and opened his eyes just at the moment that mademoiselle roland took her place in the sand he didn't see her at first just looked vacantly around trying to remember what had happened and where he was then he took a swallow of the water davis held to his lips then as creel stepped back he saw the girl and clawed himself to his feet before davis could intervene good god he breathed it's true then and before davis could catch him he had pitched forward into the sand 
End of chapter 16